I'm not a fan of this wing, eh? I'm really not. That's a great way to start. Uh, episode 106 of the Overclock ZA Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome. I am Lindsay Shooters, and I'm joined, as always, by Gavin Dudley. And Gavin, I just need to say that this Fifine K678 that I'm using has mm. the best description of one of its features. <laughs> and I will read it to you. Right. The 16 millimeter sized capsule makes your voice appear larger. Therefore, at the same time, speaking distance, it offers a better low-end frequency response. But the fine-tuned thickness of the lows <laughs> is not going to muddy your sound. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I feel like I'm laughing like a dirty old man. Okay. <laughs> is just is my voice sounding larger? Is oh, it yes, the lows thick, Gavin? And it's not large. muddying. Nice and but wide. this is yeah. a family show, Gavin. It is. Um, <laughs> Uh, my, how, and, how does my K670 sound? My K670 fee fine mic for 960 Ruzar. How am I sounding to you? I'm about 30 centimeters away from my mic, but it's so sensitive. It can pick up every single sound in this room, including like the rustle of pets and insects breeding and whatever else. Insects <laughs> breeding. <laughs> yeah, but it's so sensitive. <laughs> Just like you, it's very sensitive, this mic. <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay, let's not uh, muddy the waters there. Um, right. This is a family show. Families dig things like gaming. Gavin, I just saw a brilliant little deal on the High Store, which is high-online.co.za. It is a Nintendo Switch Lite in gray, plus a copy of Minecraft for 5,000 Rand. This is important because, one, that's a good deal. Two, PS5 launches this week or at least goes to customers this week and xbox um first the series s is going to customers series x is coming way down the pipeline you have this brilliant quote from the head of the ceo of prima interactive who distributes xbox in our market but the surprise package may be the series s priced at 6900 rand says ian hipplewhite if you don't have a 4k tv the series s is ideal Gavin, the Nintendo Switch has been the best-selling console in the U.S. for the last 23 straight months. And I think that's because of the good pricing, actual gaming innovation on Nintendo's side, and the fact that you can actually buy hardware games. Tell me I'm wrong, Gavin. <laughs> you know what's even more <laughs> extraordinary about that is that the Switch is, what, going on for three years old now, I think? Something like that. Mm -hmm. It's an extraordinary product. Again, testament to Nintendo's true innovation. I mean, you can't, you can't say enough about it, where they've taken a completely different tack to the other game uh, platform makers. They don't chase the horsepower game. You know, they chase the playability of the titles kind of game. And they're just so good at it. So you can understand why Call of Duty and FIFA and whatever is just not a big deal on the, on the Nintendo. I mean, you can get those games for the Nintendo, but that's not their primary market because Nintendo's own games make those other games look pedestrian in their playability. Nintendo's own games like Mario and uh, sort of fantastic. And they've proven that horsepower is not what wins this kind of race. It's sheer playability of those titles, which is just intense on a Nintendo Switch. So the Switch that you've identified is the one that looks like the handheld uh, what should we call it? It looks like a very big cell phone, basically. It's got a screen in the middle and buttons on the sides, right? So it's a it's a flat rectangle, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
what you've got is the full-size switch, which is it looks more like a, an actual tablet, a proper tablet, which you attach yeah. the, the, the controllers onto the tablet when you want to play mobile. Is that right? Otherwise, yes. it docks with your dock and plays on your TV. Yeah. Yes. So, I mean, I, I Nintendo, do prefer to use the dock mode. And the only thing I don't like about the Switch is that their reluctance to use like a standard Bluetooth controller kind of setup. So you have to buy specific controllers for the Nintendo Switch and they're not compatible with many other things. Um, yeah. Like this Originally, is only a problem now. They had very specific haptics and very specific. They had that uh, range of motion stuff. What did we call it back in the day? I don't know. Rumble. You know, Rumble sorry? HD. Well, yeah, because they invented that whole kind of movement in your game kind of thing with, uh, not the Switch, what came before the Switch? Wow. Uh, yeah, amazing, um, okay. Uh, N64 was the first one with a rumble pack. Um, no, where no, 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 I'm talking about where you, where you would wave your controller around like a lightsaber. Oh, you know, they had that oh, before that anybody else. Um, We've forgotten that already. Big innovation that put Nintendo the Wii. back. The Wii. The Wii. Back brought Nintendo back into the, the game with consoles because they were languishing before that. But I mean, you should get how much they've achieved and how it's never been about the horsepower for them. It's always been about the innovation. So, okay, so you've identified this completely mobile Switch as a deal uh, with mm. High Online. The original Switch was a tablet that you docked in the thing, which is still probably the best-selling console at the moment and has been for a long time. How much yeah. is the PlayStation, new PlayStation going to cost? I'm just going to go with 10 grand because that's roughly how it's ballparking, right? Yes. I think it's nine grand for without the optical drive, and it's like just over 10 grand for with the optical drive, which you should get. You should <laughs> get the one with the optical drive. You should get the PlayStation in this generation because that controller is amazing. Their launch titles, the exclusives are amazing. Um, and it's huge. Um, it doesn't look so cool. But this is like the, the, the central argument that I have is yes, the, the Xbox Series One. The Series S is fantastic value at 7,000 Rand. Um, it's a good-looking machine. It has the horsepower, um, and it caters to that market that hasn't switched to 4K on the TV. So you then you don't have to like upgrade everything to like have the optimum experience. But it doesn't have that optical drive, and then it makes it more reliant on the internet. And this is a problem in a country like South Africa, where you have like families clubbing together to like buy. Um, see for the. I'm sorry, that was that just. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's it's going to be a lot more common name than Jonathan, you know, in South Africa. Probably a lot more see I was going to go with Yanni first, and then I correct myself. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, and buying the, whoever the yeah. kid. Um, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew from Norto. To enjoy a bit of racism in the morning. Ah, oh, Lindsay. Good one, Lindsay. Yeah. Um, so you get in this thing, and then it now becomes the parents' problem. So now the parents have to provide the internet to download the freaking game. And like, it just this, this, I, I don't like this idea of being so dependent on like internet connectivity for your experience. Uh, unfortunately, that now defines the gaming experience. Whether it's in South Africa, whether it's in Ghana, whether it's in Malaysia, whether it's in, you know, Nepal or anywhere else, that defines the gaming experience is online interactivity with other players. And I think you're being a bit old think here. I think, in my opinion, if you've got the money for the console, you've probably already got the Internet because you've probably already got a laptop 
and smartphones and things in your home. I think you, you're misreading that situation. I agree with you that they might be clubbing together to buy SIPO, um, the latest console. Um, but I, don't, I think that buying discs for the game is actually bad value. In my experience with my own kids growing up, discs get damaged, lost, stolen, forgotten at friends' homes way too easily. And, you know, if you've invested seven, eight hundred rand in a mid-range game now, the top games now cost 1,400 rand. You know, the mid-range games cost 800 rand. If you've invested that much money in a circular piece of plastic that you're using all day, every day to play the game, the chances of it malfunctioning are just very, very high, has been my experience. Also, so, so I guess what I'm saying is I'm advocating the downloadable game, which loads much, much faster. Jeez, these games today are so big. It takes them so long to read the disc and to get the data off the disc just to start the game playing. Unbelievable. So that's very, very last year, in my opinion. The other thing, almost everybody must concede, what is the first thing to go on any gaming console? It's the disc drive. It's the thing that malfunctions, whether it's the pet hair, whether it's the Coca-Cola, whether it's the dust and dirt, whether it's the climatic zone you're living in, the first thing to go is the disk drive. Disk drives are just not tech-friendly, man. It's like a mechanical process that's going on inside there. Not great. Always the first thing to go. And then what are you going to do with all those disks that you've now carefully preserved? You know, you're screwed right there. So in my opinion, you want to get the biggest hard drive you can on the machine because these games are now huge and they all want to be stored on the hard drive, of course. I think the Xbox has always been my preferred platform. I generally just really like uh, Microsoft hardware, but I think Microsoft from the very beginning have always viewed their console as a hub for the home, whereas PlayStation has always been the, yeah, the elite gamers or the, the specialized pure play gamers choice with a bit of multimedia thrown in. I've always found the Xbox to be a multimedia hub with gaming, you know, a close second. So I mm. think that gives you a lot more utility right there. And I, I think that Microsoft, just as, as the merges in services, where you end up with digital services combining with gaming as digital entertainment, I think Microsoft's still ahead in that department. Although, you know, if you're like a dedicated FIFA player, Call of Duty, or one of those, then PlayStation's still going to be your, your platform of choice, I suspect. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. I, I just like those, those haptics on, on the new controller. I, I, I like what, a lot of what PlayStation is bringing to the table. And like, oh. bottom line is, these both serve my interest because it's adding smarts to a TV and yeah, not sure. like having you buy like a smart TV or something. But if I was spending, if I had 10 grand to spend on something to entertain my kids, um, I would much rather get them an iPad with decent storage um than <laughs> than getting maybe yeah. like last last generation ipad air not the new one just the last generation one that would be mm. the win um talking sure. about apple just briefly before we talk about the, the dstv maybe we should actually just finish up like plugging things into your tv dstv putting out the new explorer the explorer ultra which is smaller and now you can put showmax netflix all sorts of things on the all your streaming services. I think there's more coming in the future as well. Um, yeah. Gavin, it's now a smart box. What do you feel about? How do you feel about this? Yeah, yeah, I think this is great. It's been a kind of a, a subtle disruption of the market. I think as DSTV, I don't want to accuse them of price gouging people, but frankly, I think that's what's going on. When you're charging people a thousand rand a month to watch 
effectively rugby and CNN, you know, a thousand rand a month, kind of rich because all the other stuff, the entertainment stuff, you can get much, much cheaper somewhere else. They just happen to have a monopoly on international news and local premium sport in South Africa. And they've just used that to fleece people over the years. I can only hope that they've invested that money into upgrading their service. Although when I look at how compressed the satellite signal is that comes down, not very impressed with that. So I feel like their comeuppance has now arrived. They now have real competition. People like Netflix are driving their product down to a much cheaper level for mobile-only users and so on. And DSTV is panicking a bit because its last financial results showed they were losing people hand over fist. As economic tough times land, fewer and fewer people are happy to shell out for you know, DSTV's offering when there are so many alternatives now available in the market, including, of course, the most recent one, which is Telcom and the SABC trying to team up in a streaming offering. So we'll see where that goes. So Telcom DSTV, one, love to be there. DSTV, I think, is taking a good angle with their new Explorer, which now is going to run all the apps for all these other services. I think that's a good angle for them to go. They continue to own the customer that way. So you can get Netflix through DSTV. You can get Amazon through DSTV. You can get um, app, maybe Apple in the future. Who knows? Disney, all these things, maybe they'll make deals with all these people. DSTV already has a footprint all over Africa. If you were Disney and you were coming to Africa, you might really want to consider getting into it with DSTV, who already has the marketing noose and the distribution footprint and all these things, and already has the customer on record in you know so many African countries. So mm. the DSTV Explorer, I think that's really its most significant advance is the ability to handle and aggregate more digital services into it. Mm. Okay. Oh, I, I wonder feel, where I their feel, pricing feel... is going to go, though. Yeah, I wonder. Um, I forget. Um, but yeah, like my Explorer is still fine. I just need the Wi-Fi module for it. Um, hey, that already is a shocker. That's the thing that doesn't think... ship the Wi-Fi in it. After all this time, we've had Wi-Fi for 20 no, the, years. No, the I... newer ones do. The newer ones, they had to strip out like half the hard drive. Um, that, yeah. that was the funniest thing when, like, the the slimmer Explorer came out. Um, I think it was called the Explorer Plus or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I contacted MultiChoice and I was like, listen, what's the difference between this and my Explorer, which is the OG Explorer, the massive freaking thing? Uh-huh. And they were like, Lindsay, we can send you one, but <laughs> it has half the the hard drive space. So, like... Everything that you have, like your catch-up stuff, which is still blows my mind every time. <laughs> like those things actually download to your machine. Oh, okay. The <laughs> like PBR system. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's like absolutely incredible. Anyway, yeah, it, it's just small hard drive. But yeah, we we at this place now where, as you said, if you still have like a, can afford to have a premium DSTV premium connection and you are subscribe to like all the other streaming services like you are baller and you probably have decent internet at home so like just connecting things to the internet and pulling it down that way is is the way forward and this is how we should live our lives gavin so talking about I, things that connect to the internet discuss, yeah i briefly discuss a marketing tactic that worked on me recently in general i'm so wise to marketing that you know i allow myself to be influenced by adverts and people's bold product claims but in general yeah. my my bullshit filter is pretty strong. Here's what really worked on me, chasing the sun. 
Okay. Yes. Chasing the Sun. First, you brought it up. Then everyone was telling me about Chasing the Sun. This is the documentary of the Springboks leading up to them winning the World Cup. For those who haven't, who've been living under a rock and haven't heard about Chasing the Sun. I've heard so much about this. I've watched little clips. It looks so fantastic. And you cannot get it any other way except through Showmax. Trust me, I've tried to pirate this in every conceivable way. They've done a brilliant yeah. job of keeping this off the internet so that even diggers like myself cannot find it illegally anywhere. People put up links, the links disappear. The links go dead. It's amazing. Yeah. So basically, I have no alternative but to get Showmax. It's the only way I will ever see Chasing the Sun. And this is what you want. You want that single, unique, silver bullet product that convinces people their offering is worthwhile. So... I'm seriously considering getting Showmax, also because you talk up Showmax quite a lot. So I'll yeah, have to add that to my, my Amazon video and my YouTube premium, my Amazon video, and my Netflix. Now I'm thinking of getting Showmax as well. I mean, for like a hundred bucks or whatever, it's like it's like an impulse purchase almost, you know. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. You know, I, I'll spend that like in the in the grocery aisle. I'll pick up two chocolate bars and a packet of chips, <laughs> and it'll be a hundred bucks, you know. Um, and it costs me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so, okay. So I'm seriously considering Showmax. And this is the way to do it. Produce kick-ass content and you'll get me hooked. Mm. That's the content, man. That's the content argument. That's kind of what's shifting me on Amazon now because the content is just incredible. It, it really it's like, is. It's completely understated how good the Amazon content is. I feel almost a little bit ashamed that I don't spend more time watching Amazon <laughs> video content because it really is fantastic. Yeah. But really again, is. like they they have the opposite like Disney Plus isn't here yet, but they have the opposite problem of, of, of Disney Plus where like I think like Apple even Apple TV Plus is hitting its stride now in terms of content. Yeah, like there's sure, so many shows see. coming out now and it's like wow yeah, and then they like that. oh we've we we extending your free subscription to February 2021 just oh. because. And it's like, yes, sir. Thank you very much. And now it's like all these shows coming out now. And like my kids are even turning on like Doug Unplugged. And there's like a whole bunch of things targeted at When, when did great. they come out but, with the extending of the subscription? Because, of course, mine expired I, before I'd watched the Beastie Boys movie. I was so PO'd about that. Oh, yeah, did but you, say you, didn't, you didn't purchase a, a, a new Apple device, did you? No, I didn't. Did you? Exactly. Um, I didn't. Um, I, uh, someone on my family, my family ah. group did. Okay. And then everyone right. just benefits from it. Oh, <laughs> oh. I wonder if I could we'll buy, an get cable. That, buy an Apple talking cable about, and get a free subscription. Yeah. Talking about Apple, I'm yes. just going to do a bit of a victory lap. I might oh. even drop my prediction in here, Sorry, just overlay listen, it while I'm, while I'm having this conversation. Lindsay um, running around the room, waving his arms. Idiot. Pre-order pricing for the new MacBook, or at least the M1 machines, is live. Which I still find funny that the iPhone 12 um, <laughs> launched earlier. Still not pricing in South Africa yet. But, like, MacBook pricing came out the week, in the same week of the launch, or of the announcement. So, for the Mac Mini, which is the machine that you should buy if you want a desktop machine, um, is 16,000 rand, starting at 16,000 rand. For the MacBook Air, you are looking at 20,000 Rand. And for the MacBook Pro 13-inch, it's now the entry-level MacBook that they've taken away, MacBook Pro. Um, that is at 24,000 Rand. And that is bang on what I said it was going to be. Okay. Yeah, okay. He's done his little victory lap now. He's been duped, of course, like everybody else. 
in South Africa oh. into believing that these are the prices that are actually going to matter. I mean, first of all, you're going to wait two months for the product. I'm telling you now, you're going to wait two months for the product to get to South Africa. I am pretty sure the people who distributed here foolishly committed at that whatever price. And we've had a, an off record, off record, uh, I mean, um, offline discussion about how it's possible Apple is using this as a loss leader to rapidly gain some market share. It's possible mm. that producing their own chips has allowed them to actually lower the price of producing the product since very little else has changed in the product except that chip, right? So these mm. are old computers with a new kick-ass chip in them, but the form factors and just about everything else about the tech in there is exactly the same. So these are, uh, shall we call it, extremely cheap. I was going to use a rude word. Extremely cheap to produce because there's no new tech in there except the Apple chip, which is fantastic new tech. Okay, which Apple completely controls the production of, which allows it to then fully control the price of the product. I think they are going in at a low product as a market share grab. And I hate to be rude about it, but I genuinely feel this in my soul, that the local distributor who has been used to gouging Apple fans in South Africa with their pricing has been obliged to keep the price low because it's been mandated like that from Apple International to keep the price low and to go for market share instead of just extract value from the poor Apple fanboy. So I think these prices are artificially low in my opinion. I think they need to go up at least 20, if not 30%, which means- Gavin, the, Gavin, like get yeah. out of your, your morbid fantasy land. No, um, no, 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 it's just when I look at the price of all other laptops, when I look at an average laptop now, when I say an average, I mean an average serious laptop, costs about 18 to 20,000 Rand. Therefore, yeah. by that same equation, the equivalent Apple product should cost 25, not 20. Re really, because that's how Apple works. You know, there's like a 30% premium you've got to pay on top. So, so, so yes. And not unjustifiably so, it's just the premium. Yeah. Here's the truth about yeah. the true value of the new <laughs> M1 Apple range. Okay. Mm. Especially on the laptop side. And this is now, reviews have come out. You can check them out online. Marcus, MKBHD, Verge, everyone's done the reviews on it. The hype is real. You are getting double the battery life for the same size cell just because of efficiency. You are now getting a workstation-capable machine, fairless, and then light laptop. Yeah. In the I see, I'm, I'm not saying it's not justified. It is justified. It's just that most people can't buy on that basis. They have to buy that the most affordable basis, which will never be an Apple product, yeah. which is you fine. Are getting, you are getting a company that has finally stuck the landing on ARM chips. And instead of, so like what a lot of people get wrong, and I've been speaking to a lot of the really intense computer people about this, is like, so Apple is emulating a space for the x86 apps to run on the new ARM architecture. So that's actually a misnomer because like Rosetta is a complete translation layer, not an emulation layer. So it's transcoding the app to then run on the machine. And, and they not claim like, it will actually run more efficiently than in its native form, which is a bit of a stretch. But okay, some 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 of the apps are running are running um a lot a lot more efficient, except like the Chrome-based apps, so Slack and like Google Chrome and those sorts of things. 
yeah. complete and utter battery hogs as, as far as I can see. But it's like, it's, they, they're not creating a virtual environment. They're actually really recoding the app like in, in almost real time, which, which is amazing. Like we should give Apple all the credit for this. And um, this brings me. No, to... hang on, hang on. I have, I have two points to make. These are, it's typical Gavin sort of navel gazing, overly deep philosophy issue here. But let me just bring up two things. Apple is very big on its green issues. They've been fantastic about ecological sensitivity, environmental impact, and these kind of mm. things. They've really been the market leader by far on this particular issue. However, we also know that the least, econo uh, least ecological or environmental impact you can make with tech is to have products that last longer, that get used for longer, get used for their full lifespan, and don't get replaced arbitrarily. Mm -hmm. Well, how do you think Apple would fare if it actually made an iPhone that ran for four years efficiently? In other words, you know, you know, everybody in their mind writes off their products in two years. A lot of people writes them off in one year, writes it off in one year. But let's say they actually made a phone that was viable and rocked for four years at a time. How do you think that would affect their bottom line? Because this is the true yeah, environmental impact. Do hang that. on, hang on, hang I'm on. Sorry. I'm sorry. Like, I'm, I'm going to jump, I'm I'm gonna jump into this now. Like, we, we keep doing this dance, right? But I have, we keep I have doing a second this dance issue. With you. Okay, okay. Okay, my second issue. Um, I'm talking now about global tech philosophy, okay? Environmental yeah. impact of products that are engineered to fail after a certain amount of time. And it doesn't matter how carbon neutral their data center is and whether they've yeah. thrown away the packaging and the charger and you don't get headphones anymore. <clears throat> which, by the way, happens to affect the emerging markets a hell of a lot more than any other market. But that's okay because they don't sell any Apple phones in the emerging markets. So that's fine. Um, oh. But let's say um, the secondary issue is this, right? All the IP for ARM chips, as we've discussed several times on the show, ARM chips are kind of the cutting edge of where technology is going now, not just in mobile, but as we can see now in computers as well and invariably in cars through NVIDIA and so on. So ARM-designed chips are now the cutting edge of where the human species is going. And America has corralled all the intellectual property around ARM chips in America. Okay, mm. what would happen to Apple if China were to buy NVIDIA, who now owns ARM? Let's say a Chinese company buys NVIDIA and with it gets all the intellectual property of ARM. So now... <laughs> America in one step becomes dependent on China's intellectual property. Okay, they would block such a move. Obviously, precisely the thing they've done, which is corral all the important IP in their country, they would fight tooth and nail to prevent any other country from having a monopoly on the technology that they have a monopoly on today. And Apple, unfortunately, is now fully exposed to exactly the same problem as everybody else was exposed to ARM technology. I know you think it's just about the instruction set. I think the M1 proves that it's actually an ARM-based chip design that they're using. They might move away from that in time, but not today. So, you know, that's kind of interesting to me. We've discussed how owning the ARM IP is now a massive strategic issue in the world. So on the one hand, the environmental impact of products designed to fail, even though we've, you know, dispensed with the packaging and we've dispensed with the charger and blah, blah, blah. Um, but let's say you actually had a product that people weren't buying every two years, but every four years, okay, your meat and potatoes product, people are now buying half as often. You're selling half as many of them. What, how would that affect everything you're doing on the one hand? Um, 
And on the other hand, what would happen if some of your core IP, both for your phone and your other core product, your laptops, are now owned by a competing country? All right, there we go. That's my issue. It's just philosophical stuff, but it's important. Because it will eventually okay. affect the consumer. So mm -hmm. I'm I'm just gonna I'm just gonna blow up your first argument right now. Right? <laughs> blow up as in make bigger. <laughs> Apple make devices that work meaningfully for more than four years, Kevin. Sure. I am okay, using I Apple that. devices that are older. Like I've but seen people what use it. What would happen if everyone stopped buying a new iPhone every two years or every year? Some people. What if they all started buying a buying half as many iPhones basically every four years. I mean, what would happen to the company and its revenues, which are driven entirely by that cycle? You know, I agree that's the product they, lasts for four years. Shift, the product that's can why last they're shifting to services. Sorry? That's why, that's why they're shifting to services. That's yeah. why they took away the headphone jack so that they can grow that AirPod business. That's, there's, sure. They look at the... What, what I appreciate about Apple devices and why... Okay. The LG Wing, I'm looking at it right now. It mm -hmm. doesn't solve a problem for me. It's a novel idea. It's probably going to be forgotten within a year of its life. Not even, yeah. I, have to I don't think yeah. we're going to have an LG Wing 2. I agree with you there. Like, what, what are we doing, Gavin? What are we doing? When we are reviewing or promoting every new entry-level Android phone that comes into the market, and even now, even now, the golden child of Android, OnePlus, puts out low-cost devices, the Nord N10 and the Nord N100, and they're like, oh, this is only getting one major release, and it's not launching on Android 11, so you're only getting Android 11, and they're not getting anything else. So my point here is you might say that the Android version doesn't matter, but mm. like with my experience with the LG G8X, it was a transformative experience to get the gesture navigation controls and all of the other optimizations that came with Android 10 to this phone. It really okay. switched me onto the phone again. There are security things in the background that need to be updated. There are like meaningful improvements to how the hardware functions that gets baked into each new operating system right when you are buying disposable tech like yeah. cheap android like the lg wing is just innovation for the sake of innovation we do not need a phone that is more fragile bigger heavier which then just brings the niche down so low so all of that r d that has been spent on developing this device all of the materials that have gone into getting to a sellable prototype because this is still a prototype machine you're just wasting all of that for what i'm not sure about that i i think as with so many things how do you get to the moon well they had to build this then they had to build that then they had to build a microwave oven you know they had to build like 16 things and eventually you get to the moon and then eventually yeah. you get to mars you know so but i i think i don't think anyone Kevin. thinks that the wing is going to be they have to market it like a viable product but really it's it's a series of experiments in, you know, the folding phone's the same. It was all about flexible displays. And, you know, they might take that to another level. It might never be a folding phone that, that, that is the breakthrough. But, you know, the ability, the ability of a display to fold might become important. So why are you giving the these generation. companies a free pass and you're being so hard on Apple? Yep. 
No, because they're only going to sell 20 of these wing phones. That's not the point. I don't think they're planning but to sell millions. they've made millions. Sorry? Yeah, they've but made yeah, thousands. I, I think it's just, it's just like the Fold. They're not really expecting to sell millions of these Folds. You can tell by the, what we call the fuck-off pricing. You know, it's the pricing that is so high that it prevents people from actually buying it. They actually price it that way. Unfortunately, LG hasn't priced theirs that way, which is a misstep. But these are kind of concept products. Really, they're concept products. L, uh, 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 Apple is actually marketing this product to you as the default mainstream product that you cannot live without. You know, it's not the same thing. Okay. But I mean, I hear you. I hear you. It is a refined product that anybody can pick up and use as a default for many years to come. And you will have arguably the best software experience on the mobile side in terms of yeah. timely updates in terms like in terms of that sure sure like the the, the thing i think Marquez hit the hit the nail on the head in his m1 um, mac review where he was like you need to recalibrate now like you can't okay. compare an m1 mac to any other machine sure, you can't sure, compare sure, sure. an iphone to android phones anymore because the specs don't matter. Like yes, okay. Agreed. Like a small battery Agreed. doesn't mean shit battery life. Like Agreed. we have Agreed. both gone through so many high-end Android devices with like massive batteries, and like the battery size is one of the yeah, main selling points. Twelve gigs of RAM, and Apple's and not it's doing like, that. It's by lunchtime, like the thing's dead. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Sure, sure. So yeah, it's just, I, have I, to say, I, I just I'm, don't like the way you 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 really come down, and it's all this like. Weird, like fear mongering. <laughs> it's like no, but the pricing is to be like... too high, and it's like these are legitimate, better performing machines. We have never seen PC performance like this before. They are at super good pricing. If you are buying them, the only downside is you have to live with what Apple gives you. Like that's the only trade-off. Is like you maybe have to live in the ecosystem entirely and just accept all of their weird hardware choices, like a touch bar, like not having a touch screen for instance like not having a desktop mode on the ipad which pretty much is as powerful as a MacBook. <laughs> yeah no 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 sure 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 i i yeah. do think though i think apple would have looked vastly different if steve jobs was still running the show it might not be the biggest company in the world it might not mm. even be the leading technology company in the world but it would probably still be the most innovative and it would have the most loyal following which would annoy me even more, frankly. You know, the, kind of the, the blind faith kind of you know, fan base. Um, Let's come down sure. from there. Talking about blind I, I faith. Just, fan, I just think it's base. important. Someone's got to watchdog the biggest tech company in the world and how they're carrying the species forward. Somebody's got to watchdog them, and I feel it may as well be me. I'm All just right. holding that flag for them and waving <laughs> the palm trees. You and the other <laughs> army of sheep. <laughs> I am not an Apple sheep, Gavin, but I'm not a fandroid either. Um, right. I, I walk, I walk, I live, I'm a daywalker. Um, so a daywalker who has a standard bank account and have been enjoying the virtual card for a very long time. Although there's no money in my virtual card because uh, <laughs> I can't see. So, so standard bank has finally allowed. Um, so this is the downside of like iPhones is they don't play nice with like NFC APIs. Um, mm. So Standard Bank, if you're on an Android phone that has an NFC chip in it, you can use tap to pay through the Standard Bank app, which is great. It has freed me from my reliance on Samsung Pay. Um, Samsung Pay still is a more elegant solution. You can use it in more situations as well. 
but now Capitec launches its virtual banking card, which is now going to take virtual banking cards to the masses. Give us your yeah. thoughts, Kevin. I, I just love this idea. As someone who's had to replace my children's Capitec cards, the pain and suffering of having to go into the bank and do the fingerprint thing and have you brought all the six forms of ID, it's like such a pain in the butt. With this virtual card, it's a whole second card. So if you, know, if you already have a bank account and a card with Capitec, this is like a whole second card. It would be like, you're with Standard Bank, here's your MasterCard, and now here's your Visa card. They both work on the same account, it's the same money, but they're two completely separate cards. This virtual card exists only in a virtual space, so it's visible on your phone, but it's like an entirely virtual product. It can't be lost, it can't be stolen, it can't be copied, it can't be gypped. Okay, and... Um, one of the, I think its primary uses is going to be for purchasing stuff online mm. because you can manage this card as an entirely separate entity to your physical card. So the virtual card, you can um, set different limits on that card. So if you want to buy things online, it can't get cloned and you know have your account ripped off and so on. And the most important thing is it can't get damaged, can't get stolen. In every other way, it works exactly like a physical card. And I think what we're discovering here is that if you've got these two cards, you never get stranded because if something happens to the one, you can always use the other. And mm. we've all you know, had that stranded feeling. So anybody can have this card. It's completely free. If you're using the Capitec app, you could just click, 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 set up your new card, gets all your details right there on the spot. It's like a couple of taps for the process. Um, it's a MasterCard, so you know, it has global kind of effect. But can you and use I think it it's for people who want to do online purchasing. It's especially useful for that. Because you don't need to show it to anyone. It's just a number, you know, that you're mm. putting in and it totally works. And, you know, expiry date and CVV and all that stuff is all in this virtual card, but it's not physical. It exists only in bits and bytes on your phone or whatever platform you're using. Mm. Very mm. cool, I think. No, I, I like that idea. I just think the limitations of not being able to use it as like a physical card replacement. Like I haven't found a way to use my virtual card. Oh, no. wait. Yes, you can set it as the card to use for tap to pay, which then makes a lot of sense. Sorry, so my you're bad. tapping your phone for an NFC with it. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. The other thing, like Samsung Pay uses a similar thing for its tokenization. It actually creates a virtual card for you that's right. linked to your, right. your actual card. So like when you need to sometimes, um, especially if you're using the, the magnetic strip technology, mm. um, where there's no tap to pay and you're actually scanning it on the side as you would swipe a card. Ah, um, oh, you mean like me, the old standard bank kind of yeah. back in the day people. Yeah, okay. Then they, you sometimes have to like key in like the missing digits and that those yes. digits come or the last four digits and that will come from the virtual number that is on the app, um, mm. which is which is quite innovative. So, like I, I, I was interviewing someone who does AI for anti-money laundering and we were just talking about like fraud and yeah, like having those hard, especially now that like mobile banking is becoming a, like a bigger, 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 bigger player, like the actual security layers that are built in. So like from your secure enclave in your processor, like on the motherboard sort of thing yeah, that stores all of like your biometric data and all that stuff. And then to like these virtual cards, um, and like it's just a far more robust system than walking around with a piece of plastic that could ruin your life if someone should sure. find the can, pin. <laughs> can I can I go off at a small tangent? I would just like to hear your top line thoughts on the subject. 
They're yep. trying to do away with tool slips at the, let's say, at the pick and pay. Yes. Okay. And they, I think at the moment, they think they're going to email the tool slip to you. Yes. Or I, I don't know what they're thinking about how to get the tool slip to you. I'm thinking that's like massively inefficient. In the first place, lots of people are just, even, they, they grew up without email. There's an entire generation of people to whom an email address has got nothing to do with actual email. An email address is just the thing you use to log in to other services. You know, mm. they don't actually read their email. My kids are in that bunch. Okay. Um, and also, I mean, if you go and buy some things at the pick and pay, um, do you have to give them your email address every time to get your receipt? Also, surely you need to, you might want to check your receipt when you get to the car to make sure the bag of potatoes is actually in the, in the car like you thought it is. You know? yeah. So I'm a little concerned about how we do this receipt thing. But I, it occurred to me, I'm not sure what the bandwidth is for NFC, but is it possible to send a few bytes worth of text file by NFC to the phone? You know, so the tool slip would be, you know, it would probably be like 30 bytes or something. You know, it's just like a piece of virtual paper with numbers on it. Surely, you know, it's monochrome. It could be really, really tiny, almost like a token, just a very big token. You know, I wonder yeah. if they could do it. I, I think I think Bluetooth would probably be a better solution. Like it would do the NFC and then the handshake and then do a Bluetooth. I think the Bluetooth will get much better bandwidth on that connection. Um, yeah, but it'd be, but that would be like a 30-second process, which I don't think anyone wants to do. You know, then you may as well do the bloody email. <laughs> so the email thing, um, I think that will be tied to your store card. So like all those kind I of... I see. Okay, right. Yeah, um, no, no, I thought of that. Or your credit card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, which is very... You see, they could do it that way. They could work on a system with the banks where um, you actually get like a little section within the app that just loads all of your... Receipts, kind of like, um, whatchamacallit, master pay. Okay. Yeah, where you get your receipt via, via in the NFC code, um, not the NFC, the QR code. So if you pay for parking, for instance, yeah, um, that the receipt appears the in your app. Pay with, no, pay you, you pay like via, you scan, yeah. Right, okay, so it's a barcode scan with master pay, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, okay. the master pass. Yeah, master pass. Yeah, now I know what you're talking yeah. about. And then the receipt appears immediately on screen. Yes. yes. Yeah, sure. And then you know where you were, like what terminal it was. So, maybe yeah, that's I, I what think... they're thinking. Maybe a barcode will pop up. And, yeah, but then you have to have a scanning app. Oh, jeez. I just, you know, I must say I'm very impressed with how many people tap. Just about everybody taps now, except me, yes. of course. Just about everybody taps from, you know, the, the low-tech kind of, uh, silver Surfer to mm. the kind of um, no disposable income youth buying energy drinks. Everybody like taps except yeah. me. But um, if they can get everybody to tap, then presumably they can get everybody to scan. I'm guessing. Yeah, in I'm Africa, wondering... scanning is very big. I remember yeah. chatting with the guys from Mastercard, um, MWC. I think that was 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, when they were really gearing the the MasterPass app like for widespread deployment, like when they were going to, to pick and pay. Oh, and, is like, MasterPass a, a MasterCard product? Yes. Oh, I see. Sorry, I didn't know. It, it okay. says so in the name. <laughs> oh, well, Master. Hey, I've got so many Masters, I wouldn't know. Okay, right. Um, so, yeah, and that, that obviously combines the powers of SnapScan and Zapper. Unless yeah. you are at Canal Walk Shopping Center, I don't know what... <laughs> implementation of zapper they use but it refuses to work on the master pass app uh, just putting that out there someone needs to look into it um 
yeah, so scanning is like massive in Africa. So the same with like Mpesa, which yeah. was which is massive in Africa, but like South Africa is still too bougie for that stuff, I imagine. Yeah, sure. Gavin, yes. you made a Chromebook. Hmm. Um, man, I am a little reluctant to talk about the Chromebook that I made, mainly because it's like a whole 10 minute segment, and I don't think we really have 10 minutes to get into it. Uh, just to uh, touch on it though. Um, I was tempted into this by using old defunct technology that I thought still had some life in it, but not mm. enough to run as a full-blown laptop. In other words, it was groaning with very old Windows, too little RAM. But Chromebooks uh, is uh, using the Chromium operating system, which is developed by Google, which is where you know, the Chrome browser and everything else comes from. But Chromium is the original operating system on which the Chrome browser is based. It's a full-fledged operating system, and it's basically super light, and it relies on a lot of cloud connectivity for those who don't know. it. You know, it's not like a, an Intel-type processor that grinds away on your laptop. It's designed to be thin and light and use a lot of cloud services. The Chromium OS. And... You can install this manually, but it's hugely technical. I found a company that makes a ready-to-roll Chromium OS package available, which can be installed with a couple of you know, command line instructions. And it looks fantastic, and it runs on just about any kind of hardware. And I'll delve into the advantages of that and how my experience has worked out. But some other time, maybe, because it's a long story. Mm. Mm. Um, Gavin, 5G, I'm still hoping that Vodacom is going to, I think that is still the gatekeeper between South Africa and the new iPhone 12. Um, mm. I see India got an LTE only version. Um, I don't think, again, South Africa is too wow. bougie for such really, things. Really? Hey? Yeah. Um, so I think like uh, our, our distributor is, our Apple distributor is waiting for Vodacom to get its act together. Which I'm interested in how 5G is going to roll out without Huawei in big strategic markets. I'm interested in how they're going to pull this off, man. Everyone was very quick to jump on the bandwagon with Donald Trump. Now he's gone, and now they all got no 5G strategy because they were all sucking up to Donald, <laughs> you know? We'll Ericsson see. Ericsson and Nokia are there, bro. Ericsson yeah, but like four times the price probably, eh? <sighs> Kevin, 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 Kevin. <laughs> we'll see, we'll see. I mean, uh, I, I see thought... that... Um, um, Vodacom has like restated its financial position recently. Um, mm. I think it anticipated taking a dive over the COVID period, and now it's anticipating a much faster than expected recovery, which I think is partly bluffing. I think both them pretending to take a dive and then pretending to recover are both bluffs. I think what's going on is it's now time for them to start bidding in the 5G auction wars. And to do that, they've got to raise a whole lot of capital in the market. And to do that, they have to have a show of strength so that people who are giving them money to buy 5G Spectrum are backing them to do exceptionally well. So they can't be looking weak. They have to be looking strong, in my opinion. So a lot okay. of it's just bluffing. But the that's 5G a, Spectrum option take. is going to be radical. Mm. Yeah, that, that's a very interesting take. And, and, I, and I'm inclined to go with you down that road. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, because I just find that irritating thing of them trying to sign anyone who's wanting a premium phone up for a three-year contract is just, I, I don't know how that's going to affect them in the long term. Well, it's bad for the consumer, but it's, it's good for them, I imagine. Um, 
I um, talking about I phones. To... I'm finally getting hands on the upper. I obviously got the LG Wing in my possession. You have thoughts. I will get to that now. Um, the Oppo A72. And Oppo is is emerging as like this interesting player in the space. They had the Innovation Day yesterday um, where they dropped some new AR glasses and the yeah. world's first rollable phone, which, guys, let's just know. <laughs> <laughs> we have the LG Wing. We have the Huawei Reverse Fold. We have the Galaxy Book Fold. We have all these bizarre form factors. Everybody desperately trying to produce something new to push the market forward. The um, the Oppo rolling phone is like, um, I guess I could say it's like a roll a roll down garage door, electric roll down garage yeah. door. The the phone basically expands electronically. I think in your hands, you don't pull it out manually. It slides open by itself and makes a semi tablet sized phone. Very weird. I believe this is very much a prototype. I don't think they really anywhere close to mass production on this i don't think they but say, they are trying to show industrial leadership q2 2021 man um right. yeah so i'm very excited to get hands on with a72 i know you have had hands on it already but yeah, like Oppo actually is... i love the a72 i think it's a very good strong smart strong start for oppo the a72 mm. i've rated it very highly i must say mm. uh, um their devices will be first to get um android 11 in our market as well Mm. Um, which is very interesting. They were also the first third party to produce an Android 11 beta on their ColorOS. Um, so yeah, like they, they, they're becoming a big player, moving in the exact opposite direction of what OnePlus is doing, where OnePlus is kind of <laughs> revealing itself now to be just another Android manufacturer. <laughs> I think it's being a little unfair, but okay, I, I see the evidence does point to that. So OnePlus, Oppo, and Vivo are three brands all in the same stable, what they call BBK or something like that. Yeah, yes? or BBDO. Okay. Yeah, this yeah. is the name of their, their Chinese holding company. But all three of those brands, Vivo, Oppo, and OnePlus, are very, very strong in many markets of the world, particularly in emerging markets. Mm. So Vivo got here first about a year ago. I wasn't overly impressed with their initial offerings. Mm. Um, they were kind of, they were just a bit boring, I think. Yeah. Just, they didn't you know, move the market forward in any way. And now we have Oppo, which is the second player. We've yeah, argued three about phones in occupies the market. what tier. But I mean, this A72 is a fantastic phone for 6,000 Rand, I must say. Yeah. And then there's the A53S, which is like yes. 4,000 Rand. And, and that has a 90 one. hertz display, which is like bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I think, I mean, it all points to... OnePlus eventually reaching South Africa as well. Except I just don't see how we can support more players in our market unless they're going to bring something different. I don't believe Vivo is doing all that well in our market. I don't really know. I am disturbed to note that Nokia looks like it's getting squeezed out of the market. Mm. That bothers me because I'm a Nokia fanboy. Nokia, LG, man. You know, these are my preferred. Yeah. Yeah. LG just needs to stop making. <laughs> Content devices, please, LG. I love you, um, but guys, this is this is getting a bit much. Um, yeah, so that's Listen, coming I'm, in. I'm having a little time crisis, but I really want you to do your how-to with our next chapter on how to take better pictures. We you can want to talk do that about next... HDR and how to work with it on the phone quickly. We can do that next week, Kevin. Oh, um, I see. If you have a decent phone, please do just leave HDR. When I'm saying decent, I'm saying. 
that's a loaded. Uh, I'm going to leave it for next week. Yeah. Um, that opinion is the website. That opinion guy on YouTube. Um, I'm sharpshooters on Twitter. S H A R P S C H U T T E R S. And that opinion guy on the Instagrams, where I am doing like an exploration into connected footwear, Gavin. I've got the Under Armour Hover Phantom 2s, which I've connected Ooh. to map my run. Did my first run yesterday, feeling Ooh. like the Bionic Man. Um, cool. Found out, even though I'm still recovering from my my LCL tear, um, don't have like the power or the speed um, in the running yet. Still very good on on the on the midfoot strike. Still very good on keeping my cadence. My target cadence is always around 160 steps per minute. I was revealed yesterday to have 158 steps per minute. So yeah, that that okay. that's good for me. <laughs> I'm going running tomorrow. I mean, after my medical event from earlier in the year, I'm still stuck at the sort of 5k mark but that's okay mm -hmm. i'm improving my times we'll see how it goes and i'm tracking all mine with the Huawei watch gt2 um which is my preferred tracker i'll let you know what my step count reveals um i am working on a whole bunch of really interesting phones that have just landed on me so that's the oppo a72 the uh Huawei p smart, p -smart. <laughs> yeah, which now, again, is the one without the Google services where we have to rationalize whether it's going to work for you, reader. And then I've got the Xiaomi Redmi 9. Yes, just the Redmi 9. Is it the Note 9? Yes, the Redmi Note 9, which I had the Note 9S, which was a yeah. fabulous product. Just loved it. And I'm really looking forward to getting into this. On the side, I'm working um, affordable gaming laptops. I've been working on that for a while, but new products keep arriving, so I keep extending the list of stuff I have to put into the story. So I'm looking at mid-range phones and affordable gaming laptops at the moment. Doing a deep dive on the Oppo phone today, I think. Mm. So look out for those on Tech Radar. Sweet. Chat next week, Kevin. All right, cheers, dude. Have a good day. Bye, listeners.